Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. On Wednesday, September the 7th, the provincial government came out and announced that they are going to cap the maximum rental increase at 2% for the year 2023. And while a lot of tenants and renters initially rejoiced, and of course, housing providers originally reeled in horror, we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive here and see what's actually going on and ask the question, does our government actually hate housing providers? Welcome back to the channel. Uh, my name is Ryan Dash. Uh, I'm joined by my business partner and co-host, Dan Wordle. Uh, we run a real estate team here out of Vancouver, and we make educational YouTube videos and podcasts for our clients and our online community, mostly to make sense of the complicated real estate market that we live in. And we would love it if you guys would give us a big thumbs up and hit that subscribe button as it helps other awesome people like yourselves learn from the content we are producing each week. If you like this video and you want to book a call directly with us, you can do that. Just click on the link below and book a buyer or a seller call or simply call us to chat about the market if you're trying to make sense of some things. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, we are trying to build a community here, and we really appreciate the support that we've got so far. So let's dig into today's topic, because it's all a buzz out there right now. And as mentioned off the top here, okay, provincial government came out with a 2% rental cap. And why are landlords kind of screaming about this? Well, the way that rental rates every year are decided in our province is they look at the CPI, the excuse me, the rate of inflation, and they typically add 2% to that. So you go back to years like 2017, and I think it was up there in the realm of 2.5% inflation. They added 2%. Rental rates were allowed to be increased by 4.5%. Let's keep in mind here, too. We are piggybacking here um, a 1.5% increase, I believe, that was allowed last year, or sorry, in this year, in 2022. Before that, the last two years, thanks to the pandemic, there were two years of rental freezes. So we've only seen a 1.5% rental rate increase in the last three years. Okay, so take that for what it's worth. Tenants love it. Landlords are struggling with it. Now, going back to what it should be this year, we all know inflation is running super high, super hot. So you look back and you calculate it, and it's done on a 12-month moving average. Um, It reviews August to July. That rate came out to 5.4% meaning the rental rate increase should have been 7.4%. That is radically different than, of course, 2%. And again, keep in mind, housing providers, landlords, if you will, have costs as well. They're dealing with the same inflation that the tenants are. Their property taxes are going up. Their maintenance fees are going up. Their electricity, everything's going up. So why handcuff one side and support the other? And let's also keep in mind, this is coming off of a couple of years of rental subsidies, right? The government printed a lot of money and gave a lot of it to tenants to cover their rent. Again, landlords were happy they were getting rent, but in a rental freeze environment. So who's really winning here? And does this really just be a, is it really just a short-term win? And what does the long-term ramifications look like 
for doing things like preventing landlords from increasing to market rates. Yeah, so for for landlords, this cap on rental increases is challenging, obviously, um, given, like you said, Dan, all of the rising costs that have taken place, right? And ideally, I think on paper, you've got tenants who are, like you said, um, I think, honestly speaking, they wanted more rental freezes, um, which would have been even harder to stomach had you been uh, a landlord. But where I think... um, this is really going to affect uh, the marketplace is it's reducing, further reducing the appeal for people to rent out their properties. I mean, at the end of the day, the largest provider of rental housing are the small mom and pop landlords, the people who have the basement suites, right? And if I can no longer service the cost of uh, my home or my mortgage uh, with a long-term renter, then I'm going to either find alternative means to provide income through my rental, which something like Airbnb, uh, and in a basement suite, I can Airbnb so long as I have a authorized suite, um, and I, I pay my taxes accordingly. But in no way, shape, or form would I be putting that into a long-term rental uh, when I can be capped for years, uh, you know, and and and. When I have a real debt service cost that if we're looking at inflation at 7.6% and a, you know, a real increase of 2% in the cap rate, that's a net negative loss of uh, 5.6%. At which point I'm going to look to recover those costs because I need to. Um, There's, there's a lot of things that bug me about this because it feels like, you know, we've gone through decades of housing shortages um, and rental supply issues. And why, uh, why is the government blaming or, or making the, the issue more difficult for landlords uh, when it's their own failure for providing, you know, housing, enough housing or um, speeding up the timeframes to produce the houses that investors can then rent out to the marketplace, right? So it, it, it's really unfair and Unfortunately, it's causing greater divide um, than it is uh, finding any kind of solution here. Exactly. And and again, we are obviously pro-tenant and we're also pro-landlord. We're not taking sides here. We're just kind of explaining what may happen long-term here. Because again, if you take any business and and look, I I own a whole bunch of rental properties in Western Canada and, and they are operated as businesses. And if one business over here is being capped at how much income it can make, yet the expenses aren't capped, you have to question, does that business make sense to go on? Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't, if it starts costing you more money, when it becomes a liability, you may offload it. And what does that mean if if a whole bunch of landlords decide the same thing? Because they're now cash negative based on similar moves, like four or five years of rent meddling, if you will, by our government. They're going to question it. And yes, they may put that property on the market for an end user. Again, it's inventory that we're talking about. Now, while tenants may be championing this 2% uh, cap, let's also think of it like this. If you were a business owner and the provincial government said, hey, guess what? Next year, your business can only make a 2% increase in revenue. Would you freak out? I know I would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would be revolting right then and there. Or even yeah. let's, let's break it down. As an employee, if you were told you cannot make more than a 2% raise next year, as mandated by the government, would you be that excited about that particular job or would you look elsewhere maybe? And so speaking of elsewhere, um, 
Alberta does ha- does not have any type of rental cap. It is a free market. You can charge whatever the market can handle. And guess what? They don't have a rental crisis. Hmm. You know, and it's not like it's a barren province. There's 85% of the population that we have here in BC, in Alberta, and they don't have a rental crisis. Say what you want about their winters. This is just an example of saying where there's no rental cap, there's no rental crisis. Again, it's not apples to apples, but there's just a bit of something to look at. And here we go again with mandates. Um, Sorry, you know what this is going to also make rental housing providers do, Ryan? They're going to find ways to circumvent these restrictions, like rent evictions. They're going to find ways to capitalize, or not capitalize, they're going to find ways to maximize rent by doing things like rent evictions. And no, we're not pro those, but again, you're almost forcing the hand of someone who's being like, look, I can't afford to keep this rental property active unless I get market rent. Mm-hmm. And so either I sell it off or I find a way to actually be a housing provider longer. Um, you know, our government finds a way to mandate 400,000 plus permanent residents per year, but they can't mandate something like housing for 400,000 people. You know, it's all a bit hypocritic. Yeah, the, the, the hypocritical sense of it, in my opinion, is like, let's take a developer, for example, uh, and, and we know many of them who are building market rent. Um, that's what they do. They build rental housing, right? And so the government is providing an incentive in one side of the equation to say, hey, look, we need more rental, purpose-built rental homes, and uh, we need you, the developer, to build them. And the developer goes, great, I'll charge market rent for them. And they go, ah, no, uh, we're going to actually cap what you can charge um, for what we need. And so I, as a as somebody who runs a business and somebody who's um, you know capital minded, I look at that and go, well, as a as a business person, why would I invest here? Why would I build here? You want me to build what you need, but then you're going to cap my opportunity. I'm going to go to a place like Alberta, or I'm going to go to a different market, probably somewhere in the states where I can do that where I'm not going to be restricted by that. We're going to lose inventory as a result of these decisions. And that's what people, it's like the the second, third, fourth order consequence, not the first one. The first one is people feel like they're going to save some money. But then the long-term effect of that is, is negative because the providers are going to go to other markets and those other markets are going to grow where ours is going to continuously shrink because we, we can't even get developers then to build market rents. So, you know, it, it, it's a very short near term, uh, knee jerk reaction in my opinion and solves nothing but create further problems and division that we have to deal with in the years to come. Must be an election year or something because you know, <laughs> right, they're looking for short-term votes. And, and again, this is a very complex issue, and we're not coming up with a solution here, but we are opening up a dialogue, and, and we would really love to hear more of your thoughts. As a renter, as a landlord, how are you experiencing it out there? Um, as someone who may be looking to invest in real estate or maybe offload some BC real estate and buy elsewhere. I've got a whole bunch of clients who are doing just that. They want out of BC and they want into a freer market like Alberta, where let's be honest, prices are a little bit more attainable and rents are market. And, and uh, you know, there are some really good opportunities there. So please reach out to us. We'd love to talk about your situation and how we can help. So as always, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. 
That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.